Hello everybody, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey. We're back with an early week episode, which means it's recap time, and we're recapping a week that, you know, we actually got the Ottawa game into the last episode because we recorded after that. So, what did they follow it up with? Well, John, when we speak about motivation, you're motivated to do certain things at certain times, like facing a former coach, or to impress the group of winners that joined your team in your home stadium on Saturday night to celebrate their 20-year Cup Championship anniversary. And what we got instead were two more completely meaningless points that were more impactful on our mental well-being than they will be on the standings. So, John, I want to throw this over to you to start. This is John Fisher, everyone. If you don't know by now, then you know. John, what happened? You know, Dan, (laughs) it's funny. Elaine Nazardine has been responsible for the defense, or at the very least the defense men, and the penalty kill for the majority of his time in his tenure as assistant coach to John Hines in New Jersey. And yet, ever since he has become interim head coach, the Devils' defense has went from not good to abysmal. Mm -hmm. And when the goaltending isn't good enough, it gets bad, Dan. It gets really, 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 really bad. (laughs) And, and this, it's dishearteningly bad. And day. this was a rough week for Devils goaltenders, as each currently active goaltender in the NHL got to uh, they got to split the starts this week. But I I would say that both of them for sure did not exhibit their strongest performances in either game against Nashville, which was started by Mackenzie Blackwood, or against Dallas, which was Louis Domingue. I will. I would give the edge to Domingue in, in between Agreed. the two starts. I thought his game wasn't his, nearly as bad. I think he was more of a victim of circumstances than Blackwood was. That being said, Blackwood, you know, was also held out uh, on an island of own. <sighs> <laughs> I feel like we should just dive into the nonsense. Let, let's here. do it. So they start off with a game against former coach John Hines and the Nashville Predators, and this was a crazy back and forth of a game this was this was completely wild west defense optional for both of these teams as that's something that nashville's been struggling with and the devils as we know as you just alluded to have been awful at and so there are a lot of goals scored in this game oh lots a of goals. lot of goals happen in this game so want to walk us through how those developed and kind of you know, the the feeling as the game went on was, oh, maybe they can get a minor moral victory by sticking it to Hines to, oh, I'm glad this game is tied again. Like, thank goodness for that. Well, you wouldn't be saying thank goodness for that, given the last the last goal scored in regulation. Well, yeah. Because that was scored by right, Nashville. Right, okay. Well, in Dallas, I was saying more of that. But yes, go on. Right. So, within the first minute, Nashville scores. Matthias Ekholm, a defenseman, uh, rings it in. And then Pavel Zaka, of all people, pulls off a crazy move in close, thanks to Nico Heischer's hard work in the corner, and scores a technically shorthanded goal because it was a four-on-four situation because the Devils got a power play and then, of course, decide, you know what this power play needs? A penalty. So Damon Severson uh, provided that, and uh, after the four-on-four overrun ended, Zaka was technically a a shorthanded player, and he scored a sweet-looking goal, 1-1. Philip Forsberg scored shortly after said power play uh, to make it 1-2, and then Pavel Zaka... As it, well, in any case, <laughs> and then there was there was a lull. There, there was a lull in scoring until about past eight and a half minutes into the second period when Pavel Zaka once again 
scores a power play goal. And now you're thinking to yourself, is this going to be the night where Pavel Zaka sticks it to Heinz with a hat trick? Spoiler, no. (laughs) But he gets two goals, and they were nice-looking goals. And then the Devils went up in the game when Nikita Gusev converted on a power play. A very nice-looking power play. A well-structured power play with a primary assist by Mr. Zaka. So already you have Gusev with points, Zaka with three points. You know, maybe tonight's going to be the night. And then we just forget about Nick Benino in front, mm-hmm. as in the Devils forgot about Nick Benino in front. Uh, specifically, Severson failed a bit to pick up Benino in front as he pounded in a rebound to make it 3-3. And then shortly near the end of the second period, Jesper Bratt, who was having a very nice game of his own, darted ahead, scored, scored a goal himself. You're up four to three. So what happens, Dan? Mm. You want to know what happens, Dan? Oh, I know what happened, but let's, uh, let's fill everyone You know in. what happened. You know what happens when you're the New Jersey Devils and you're involving John Hines and you're into a third period with a lead? That lead is not lasting. <laughs> 33 seconds into the third period, Matt Duchesne scores to make it 4-4, and, and, and depression sets in on the rock again. But then we get hope. We get one of the most unlikely goals you would see this season. A Kevin Rooney offensive, face, offensive zone faceoff win directly to John Hayden for arguably the greatest shot he's ever taken in his NHL career to make it (laughs) 5-4. It was stunning. It looked like Alexander Ovechkin took over his body and shot that puck. Like, Pekka Rene did not have a good night, but he was not stopping this shot. Nobody was stopping this shot, Dan. And that was good. You're thinking to yourself, all right, John Hayden scores a monster goal. This is going to be a win, right? Mm -hmm. No, it's not going to be a win. Philip Forsberg converts a power play a couple minutes later. It's 5-5. We go to overtime. Both teams try to break it off. They can't break it off. We go to a shootout. And the Devils, similar to how they did in Ottawa uh, earlier this week, well, Nashville did it to them. So John Hines gets a W at the Rock Mm -hmm. for one of the few times he did so this season. Wow. Ooh, good dig there. I like that one a lot. Um, It's... I hated it, Dan. <laughs> it was it was annoying to say the least. It was something that, I mean, there's a talent gap between Nashville and the Devils. That's obvious, but they didn't not they didn't play poorly enough to kind of deserve a shootout loss, in my opinion. Granted, there were some lapses, you know, mentally and actually in coverage, but I, I think they played well enough to secure that result. But once you go to that shootout, Gusev scored, I believe, right, and then he they did. missed the uh, the other two shots. So. Yeah, Hughes was stopped, and then Palmieri, he also got And stopped. Hughes had a pretty bad game. Like, he was benched the entirety of the second period because, you know, the disconcerting thing is that Nasruddin was saying, like, he knew he wasn't giving enough of an effort, which is not something you want to hear about an 18-year-old supposed wonderkin on your team. But, you know, it'll happen every once in a while, especially in a season like this one. I'm just hoping it doesn't remain this way going forward, and... Ideally, the benching will have served as the little reminder that, listen, you're in the NHL. You got to try, no matter what the results are going to be, no matter what's going on. You got to get it together and keep your head in the game, no matter what point of the season you're at. So, looking forward, I don't want to hear any more, you know, circumstances that led to that. But it was just an unfortunate effort all around, and I hate the shootout well, the so thing- much. Well, I like the shootout. Oh. Uh, personally, but more importantly than that is that Blackwood had a bad game and that's actually a little disturbing. In fact, 
I finished up the month in review. It'll be actually went up today as we're recording this. And Blackwood's numbers were actually worse from a save percentage perspective than Domingue's, which tells you two things. One, Blackwood's hot streak clearly has ended. It's he ain't hot. He ain't the man now. And second, it begs the question, had he been more like the goaltender we've seen before his injury and arguably, you know, back earlier in the month, maybe the Devils win this game outright. Because honestly, the Devils got the goal scoring. You know, finishing plays was not their issue for mm-hmm. once. They they were finishing the plays, and they even got some goals nobody really expected. You wanted special team support? Hey, you know, yeah, the Devils gave up a power play goal, but they scored two of their own, and they scored a shorty. So you can't say special teams were a net negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hughes had a rough game. He was by no means like the worst skater on the ice. That would easily be Mirko Mueller by 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 far, and Nazardine scratched him for the Dallas game on Saturday in response. Unfortunately, he was replaced by Connor Carrick. So, you know, six or half dozen of the other right there. The fact of the matter is a lot of the goals against once again, yes, black, you would have liked Blackwood to make an extra stop or two, but it also comes just down to guys are just watching the puck. They're not looking for open guys off the puck and they're not making the plays. Like a lot of this stuff I'm coming down to the fact is as much as I believe the system is really hurting the Devils, and Nazarene just does not have one as a head coach. Whoever's in charge of the defense statistically is getting blowed up under his reign, and you're going to see that in more detail next week in a post I've got. I'm starting to prepare. Mm-hmm. It just some of these stuff are just fundamentals, Dan. You know, it do, you shouldn't have to be a five year veteran to know that you should pick up a guy around your net. You should not have to be somebody with a th- near near 800 games of experience to know that you need to make your zone exit count. You can't just throw weak ones towards the blue line. And you definitely, definitely, definitely do not need to have, you know, Pat Burns or Jacques Lemaire or Larry Robinson or other some other Hall of Fame level coach to tell you that you got to pick up men who are wide open that nobody's looking at. Like these are fundamentals of defense and the Devils are not demonstrating them up and down the lineup, no matter whether or not you're Blake Coleman, Jack Hughes, Pavel Zaka, John, John, I almost said John Rooney, John Hayden. These guys are just not committing to it. And it burned them in another game that could have been a win. And that's, that's really the story of the season is that it's not that the devils are, yes, Nashville has more talent, but this was a winnable Mm. game and the devils failed in a lot of the usual ways that night, just as they did on Saturday night in another post-regulation And we'll call this one a winnable game as well because some of those fundamentals that you're alluding to right now were actually cleaned up. I thought they played a really solid game against a Stars team that has only been improving as the season's gone on. This is a team that, you know, it's obviously difficult to come into someone else's building when they're doing a big ceremony like the Devils were that night, but this is a very, very good team the Devils faced off against. And again, the game looked like it was in their grasp and they couldn't finish it. Right. Well, again, both teams, I thought, played a very sloppy game. I think the play that would describe it all was there was a sequence in the first period where the Devils turned the puck over to the man, the man on the right point. I can't remember. It wasn't Haskainen. It was his uh, partner. And maybe it was Johns. Maybe it was Lindell. Whatever. It was to a Dallas defenseman. He turns it over right to Jesper Bratt, who, if he can't, if he handles the puck properly, could go off on a breakaway. But Bratt turns it back over. It goes back to the sideboards for another puck battle, and then it gets outletted for a devil to just dump the puck away for a line change. That was pretty much how the game mm-hmm. went. Both teams were not sharp on the puck. But to your point, Dan, 
is that this was very much a winnable game for the Devils. Domingue came into the net and he played a, a solid effort. Not a great effort, but a solid effort. And again, you got Kevin Rooney scoring a shorthanded goal that nobody expected. The Devils kept it close. It was tied after one, tied after uh, two periods at 1-1. Yes, Dallas scored first, but the Devils got it back. You know, the Devils were actually pushing the play more and more as time went on. So you're thinking to yourself, maybe the Devils can get mm. one. Maybe they can get that one bounce against Ben Bishop. Maybe they can make that one successful play. And then overtime happens, and we have another fundamental failure for a massive L on what should have been a celebration and a, uh, a celebratory night for the past and the present Devils. And you mentioned that of the two goaltenders who uh, made the starts, Blackwood, you know, we talked about how he didn't have his best game. Domingue was pretty decent until he was obviously mad at himself after the play happened. It was it was very clear, and, you know, the reporters were talking about how he slammed his stick in frustration, but that rebound was egregious that he gave up to let up that overtime goal, and he knows it. Well, the thing with Domingue, and this was true throughout the entire game, and pretty much every other game he started, is that the man has terrible rebound mm -hmm. control. Like, I'm not a big believer in rebound control in the sense of, it's like practicing deflections almost. Like, you can do it, but in a game situation where there's a whole bunch of variables that nobody is tracking, good luck trying to replicate that. But goodness gracious, anytime a puck is hitting Domingue's pads, they are going all over the place. Like, spicy rebounds are everywhere. You know, if, if you if you feel like your taco, your burrito is lacking some spice, watch a Domingue uh, performance in net, and whoo, you're gonna feel the heat of those rebounds coming at yeah. you. It's gonna make. It's also gonna give you some gray hairs, maybe lose some hairs. Uh, Domingue actually had a terrible turnover uh, with the you know handling the puck on his stick, which thankfully he did not pay the price for. But you know he gives up lots of rebounds, and you know I understand he feels bad about the overtime goal. He's not the guy to blame for the overtime no, goal. No. Do you want me to break down the overtime goal? I feel like we need to talk yeah, this Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of blame to go around. Their rebound, let's just start with that. It was not the best one to give up. However... No. There was a bigger sin at mm -hmm. play. There was a bigger error. Let's start from the beginning of the shift, because this did not take long. So, Nico Heischer gets a breakaway, and Palmieri follows up. Bishop freezes the puck, so the Devils get an offensive zone faceoff. Nazardine decides, this is where I'm going to throw out Jack Hughes, who, by the way, had an okay game. Not a great game, but an okay game compared to the Nashville mm. game. Nikita Gusev, who was having a good game until this shift. And then P.K. Subban, <laughs> who was having an okay game offensively, but defensively he was all over the place. Uh, I thought the Green-Subban pairing statistically looked good, but they had some really rough moments and some rough shifts and uh Subban already got exposed uh by creating a three-on-two rush against that led to Joel Kivaranta's first ever NHL goal that made it 2-1 in regulation that he sure later tied up anyway so your three men for the Devils are Hughes taking the face off Gusev at the right hash mark and then Subban at the point going up against Joe Pavelski Matthias Janmark and Essa Lindell Dallas wins the face off Hughes is the only devil who does the right thing on this shift. Mm -hmm. He is the only person. He he notices Lindell has the puck. He is going to apply some pressure and forecheck Lindell to force the defenseman to make a play. That's the right thing to do in that situation because Dallas was clearly holding up the puck, waiting to get a breakout going. So Hughes basically forced the issue. Because it's three on three, 
Goose Evans and Van immediately start dropping back, which makes sense because as it should, as he should be, because Hughes is already committing to the four check. So Lindell passes the puck to Janmark. Janmark turns on the Jets. And Gusev is caught flat-footed, despite the fact that he sees this man in white and very bright green coming right at him. Janmark has not done much in this game, but oh my goodness, he is doing something to Gusev right here. He is burning the goose. He is having roasted goose for dinner or a late-night snack. It was it was about 9 o'clock, at, you know, past 9 o'clock in New Jersey at the time. And so he gets past Gusev. Mind you, at the same time, Subban is tracking back. And Pavelski, he's he's following the play. He's not like rushing up next to Janmark, but he he's keeping pace, so to speak. Subban decides, oh, Gusev is getting beat. I'm going to start heading towards closer to Janmark as my goaltender is going to try to stop the eventual mm-hmm. shot. However, you you may have noticed, I mentioned Joe Pavelski. Yeah, there's here. a whole trailer situation happening here. Exactly. And it's a three on three situation. There's no man advantage or disadvantage here. It's three on three. <laughs> Hughes took Lindell. Janmark took on Gusev and beat him. So if Subban decides, I'm going to go look towards Janmark and shift my weight that way, who's on Pavelski, Dan? Oh, that, that answer would have to be a resounding no one. Nobody, Dan. No one. And so, shot, rebound, score. Subban falls on his butt. Dominguez is unhappy. I leave the arena disgusted with a very heavy metal ring on my finger. <laughs> well, important to mention that. And here's the thing, Dan. Subban's not an idiot. Subban is a former Norris Trophy winner. He is 30, 31 years old. He's a very talented defenseman. How? How do you not make a miscue, a misread, a misdecision, a misplay like that with that much experience underneath your belt. I get it. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has an off night. But it wasn't like Subban was terrible that night. Like he was otherwise having a good game other than the aforementioned giveaway that led to the three on two, which led to him sliding like a, you know, an uncoordinated penguin on his stomach that left the uh, goal scorer wide open. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a three-on-three situation. He knew Pavelski was his man for at least 50 feet of that rink and then decides, oh, I'm just going to give up on this and, and, and focus on the shooter. And once again, Dan, it's the same old story with the Devils this season. Too much attention is being paid to the man who has the puck and not enough attention is being paid to the men who could make a play if the puck comes to them. And it burned them in overtime. It burned them in the third period for a goal against. And it even burned them in the first goal they gave up to Dallas that game to uh, to Dickinson. I mean, it, it's maddening because I would get it if it was like a rookie defenseman and he's overmatched and tired and he's having a rough night. But Subban should know better. And the sad thing, Dan, is – and this is the part that annoys me the most. And I wrote about this in the mm-hmm. recap because I know – you and I both know against Montreal later this week or against Philadelphia on Thursday or against Los Angeles on Saturday, it's going to be somebody else who blows it this badly. Maybe it's Severson. Maybe it's Vatanen. Maybe it's Green. Maybe it's Carrick. Maybe it's Mueller. Maybe it's Butcher. Maybe it's a forward. Maybe it's a, the goaltender. You just know it's going to be somebody because it's always somebody who makes a fundamental mistake <laughs> that costs the team in an otherwise winnable situation. I don't care that the Devils have nothing to play for. At this point, it's a matter of pride and professional circumstance. Handle the fundamentals. Yeah, 
handle the fundamentals, and the Devils could have swept this week. Yeah, and the, the thing is that this is something, you know, handling the fundamentals is something that if you've ever played a sport, this is something that you learn when you're a child playing this sport. And this is something that, I guess... <sighs> I almost think that Nazardine knows these players too well because he doesn't want to tell them to focus on the fundamentals. That's what it right. feels like. It feels like he's trying to be more their friend because he's been so close to them for these last couple of years without being in as authoritative as a role as head coach. So I want, I'm wondering if they'll refocus on that because whoever comes in to coach and guessing at this point, it won't be Nazardine staying on whoever comes in to coach oh, next year. will see the footage of the games from this year and be like, these are mistakes that are at the very least they're identifiable mistakes. There's not some like underlying yes. mental thing or some, some emotional weight that's burdening the team in any way to cause them to make these mistakes. It's, it's really lack of care and focus and attention. So someone looking exactly. at that can say, here's the direct moment where I see this person make a lapse in judgment. And that's something that can be worked out. Like through all of this, at the very least, the mistakes, like I said, are identifiable. They're not completely, you know, out there. They're not, hidden in something it's not just a run of bad luck it's very clear that it's a lot of mistakes resulting in this and some bad luck but mostly it's attention to detail and really somewhere along the way they lost that focus on those things and that's what could happen in a you know in a season where a young team is playing for almost nothing right but again it's not even just the young players that are making these errors and it, and we say attention to detail, but this is like basic attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Like how many times do you watch a soccer team? 11 guys defending the, the attacking team. All 11 guys are not looking at the ball carrier. Well, it's ball there are guys who are focused. Yeah, exactly. There are guys who are looking at, okay, this guy's going to the post. This guy's hanging out the penalty spot. This guy's in the six yard box. This guy's hanging at the top of the, of the semicircle at the top of the 18 yard box. Like, People may they may look over just to get it you know realize okay that's where the ball is now. You go and take care of those other guys because that's what the offense is looking for. They're looking to see where you're not paying attention and make you suffer. And in a very fast sport like hockey, that's the stuff that can kill you in less than a second. And that's where a bad rebound or even a not so bad rebound is so costly and so infuriating because again, Subban Green. Even, quote-unquote, younger players like Butcher and Severson, they, they've been in the league for multiple seasons, and they've played it, you know, they they wouldn't have done this in juniors or college. So it's like, just stop puck-watching. Pick up an open man somewhere and focus on that. Yeah. And half of your issues will go away. I, mean, I, played, uh, I played soccer as a kid, and I have parents that hail from the Soviet Union. And let me tell you, if I ever got caught ball-watching, they're like, I, I mean, I don't know why you're so interested in just watching the ball and all the other players, and I never heard the end of it. These are very, very important that I understood this fundamental. And I had another coach who told me something that I don't forget to this very day, and it's very simple advice. But if it's not something that you actively think about, it's something that's just going to go away. And his advice was, don't shoot at the keeper. That's it. That's the only advice you know, that has stuck with me through all these years from a soccer perspective. But it was so important that just repeating that fundamental dogma has been, you know, it was instrumental throughout my time playing soccer as I, you know, aged into um, high school and, you know, even playing intramural in college. It was something that it's such a simple concept, but if you don't actively think about it, you're going to forget to do it. And it's something that 
the devils need to get back to those simple concepts it's make the smart pass don't make the complicated one it's it's really you know don't skate yeah, over but... the puck you make sure it's on your stick before you start moving forward make sure you're not the last guy back because then if you trip over your own skates there's going to be an odd man rush the other way exactly and again this is why i struggle with the notion of well, yes, the Devils could add more talent to their blue line and they could get better fourth liners and get better players overall. I get that. But these sorts of things that we're I'm getting agitated about and angry about and you're getting worked up about and other fans are getting worked about is not issues of talent. Like you don't need to be a Formus Norris Trophy winner to realize, oh, it's three on three. Let's see. Guy one has, you know, guy one is taken up top. He's not a threat. Guy number two got beat. But, hey, the goalie's got him one on one. So I'll let my goalie take them so i'm gonna go pick up this third man that i should have had this whole way simple you don't need to be a super amazing player you just need to recognize your situation and handle your business and if Deming gets beat by janmark straight up then that's on Deming. you know your job was pavelski mm-hmm. and again i'm not trying to pick on suban specifically because this has been the same old story with lots of other players in the season on this very team, both young players, veteran players, mid mid career players, careers players at the end of their career, it's 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 constant enough that it's, it's basically systemic. And to your point, it's a big reason why Nazardine really can't be the coach because if he's not telling these guys, you know, hey, this has got to stop. You got to start worrying about off the puck play. You got to stop puck watching. Or worse, if they're if he is telling them that, then they're just not listening. And that's another reason why he can't be the guy. I think for the anyway, veterans that... specifically, though, before we hop off this, I think yeah. for the veterans specifically, there is a lame duck element to this where maybe their attention, detail, and focus is, I don't want to say elsewhere because, you know, they're professionals. This is what they do. But it is tempting to say that with the way this season has gone and the way it looks to be heading and has been heading for a while now. I can see why there would be those lapses in attention and focus for especially some of those guys that are rumored on the trade block. But, you know, among all that, I have to give credit to Wayne Simmons because it doesn't seem like he's, you know, he's actually the devil that's been probably the unluckiest this year. And he has it doesn't seem like he's lost his fire or his focus. So I really do appreciate watching that from him like he he may not be as lucky around the net as he has been in previous seasons or as effective but he's always out there playing with heart and that's visible so uh, i'm hoping that some of the younger guys can take a page out of his book instead and one of the younger guys i wanted to mention before we hop off here who's coming from a team that's playing with a winning mindset playing with a winning mentality was actually called up today and as we talked about in past episodes that call up is joey anderson so he's coming with you know, a little bit of spring in his step. He's been performing very well in Binghamton. That team has been on an absolute roll. And I'm sure, you know, even as they were rolling, there was a thought in the back of his mind that was like, I can use this as a springboard for my NHL career. I can use this as my opportunity to show that I do belong here because the way it went last season, they didn't think I was, you know, justified enough to make the team to start this year. However, he's had a much better year. This is really his moment to to look out and say, I can seize this opportunity with New Jersey. I can show them that, you know, I deserve to be a mainstay on this team as they get rid of everyone else and as spaces open up. You want to also reward guys who are doing very well, especially given where the Devils are this season. You know, for example, Anderson, he was, okay, he wasn't initially the AHL All-Star representative, but he was the name as the replacement. And 
he has demonstrated like he's made the team last season, like straight out of camp. So it, clearly the Devils like him. And to your point, yeah, he, he's a guy that, you know, if he can get in a couple of NHL games, it looks like that's going to be the case for at least this week. You know, carve yourself out an opportunity. Don't you're not just to take a phrase from a professional wrestling uh, academy. You know, you're not here to be given a spot. You're here to take a spot. Mm-hmm. And if you're jo- and if you're Joey Anderson, you're probably looking at guys like Hayden or Rooney and are like, come on, I could do this. And I hope mm-hmm. he can. You know, so we shall see. But I think it's I think it's well deserved that he's getting an opportunity after getting some success in Binghamton. And I'm glad that the Devils aren't just calling every up every B Devil that they can. They're being a little judicious in terms of who they've been calling up because they could have just as easily called back up Michael McLeod, or they could have just said, "Hey, Ben Street's getting healthier, so maybe we'll just activate him." Like they're giving an opportunity to a guy who's basically been earning the opportunity to get an opportunity. And um, hopefully he takes advantage of that if and when he does get into games later this week. They have to be a bit judicious now because given the messaging that the owners have set forward of, you know, we want to win as soon as possible. They need to find the guys who can as quickly facilitate that. So calling up Anderson is no accident. Calling up, you know, potentially McLeod when he was rolling, that was no accident either. That's something that they need to figure out who is worth investing on the organization. And really, as they go forward in the draft, which positions do they need to fill out more? Where do they need to add depth? If they don't have anyone in the pipeline right now, it would be nice to at least narrow down who they think has a reasonable shot at the NHL. And that's why I think Anderson is has earned his call-up, and hopefully he um, makes the most out of it. Absolutely. And let's not forget the other elephant in the room. There is that potential new GM and coach that has to come in. And presumably you don't want to just give them reports on players of how they did in the AHL. If Andrew, if you can get some NHL games on tape, you know, or in the eyes of a scout or some analyst to say, look, Anderson has been in the AHL for a couple seasons, but in the NHL after 37 games last season where he didn't do a whole lot, in a couple games this season, he's shown great progress. Here's exactly where he improved. You know, that helps not only his cause, but it also helps future management to understand that they do have some talent in the system. Maybe it's not top line talent, but you need to fill out fourth line and your third line and your third pairing, so to speak, just as much as you need to fill in those higher roles. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, anything else on this recap episode for this week, John? Yes, I want to go into detail about the best part of the game against Ooh. Dallas, which was the ceremony beforehand. Yes. So I, so first and foremost, just to circle back here, they did announce this way before the season even started. This was one of their event nights, and they said they were going to honor the 2000 team against Dallas. And they also said that they were going to have a replica ring to give away. And as is tradition with the New Jersey Devils for this season and past seasons, typically giveaways are limited to the first 9,000 fans that showed up at the arena. Uh, I give the Devils credit that they opened it up to giving out a replica ring to everybody that attended this mm. game, which is surprising because I have the ring in my hand here. This is not a cheap plastic ring, Dan. This is a metal mm-hmm. ring. Now, it's not obviously real diamonds or real rubies. I mean, you know, Harris is rich, but he's not going to spend that much on you know that it's a replica but this is a very ornate looking ring they could have gone away with just like a you know something that looked like the main you know the main top of the ring with the stanley cup champions and the devil's logo on it no they actually went into the detail to uh, represent the sides just as well in full detail and it's really ornate like i can even make out the very very tiny text that says you know 
Eastern Conference champions, Stanley Cup 2000, New Jersey Devils with like the Stanley Cup and like a little uh, sheen on it. It, it, it. And it's a heavy ring. It's a real like I almost want to say this is stainless steel, Dan. Like you could knock somebody out with this <laughs> ring. That's not too bad. It's a pretty good no, haul. I, yeah. In fact, I ran into somebody who uh, used to work for the Devils at that game. And he's so he actually has a, a, a real ring. Cause that's how I up, I up, he was with the organization back then. And he actually looked at, it, he's like, that actually looks like the real thing. So credit to the devils for a c- coming up with a really awesome looking giveaway, uh, a really awesome replica ring and B giving away 16,000 of these. <laughs> Cause I can't imagine this is something that Josh Harris, you know, can easily write off. Like this was a serious, serious, uh, money commitment right here and it, it, i think it pays off really well because this is an awesome ring like this is not something you're going to throw away a year from now or anything like that mm-hmm. and it was a great ceremony too it was super nice yeah. to see and sakura finally got his lap with the cup um yes for 2000 i mean he was again injured when he won it with pittsburgh and he managed to mm-hmm. i was reading about this today he jammed his skate back into um he jammed his foot back into his skate despite it ha- being completely swollen so he could take that lap with the 2009 penguins because he was right, like, cause he never had, the- this isn't happening yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, he was lucky. He, he, he was fortunate to at least jam a skate, uh, a swollen foot into a skate. He, he was not even at the arena. In yeah. He was in he the hospital at the hospital. Yeah. Thanks to Darian Hatcher, who was a terrible, like if you thought Brad Marchand was bad or Tom Wilson was bad, goodness gracious. There would be blogs devoted to the hatred of Darian. Oh, Hatcher. it's a lengthy suspension if he delivers that hit today. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if he got a lengthy suspension for that. I don't hit. I, think I don't so. Say I don't think he was even penalized. No, but it was a really, really nasty hit, and I, I you know, I, I thought it was an awesome, awesome touch that um, the powers that be brought the Stanley Cup to the ceremony, mm-hmm. and they and Peter Peter Sorokar came out and got a huge ovation to skate around with the cup because I think the majority of the arena knew that he didn't have his chance well he finally got his chance. Yep, so that was all great to see. It was it was a very enjoyable night, a very nice time to look back and kind of yeah. see, you know, catch up with all these guys as the Devils have been doing on their official podcast. They had Sakura, Eliash, Arnott, Stevens, Danico obviously. Um, just to talk about the experience in 2000, those are some great stories that I would highly recommend to anyone who hasn't heard them. I mean, it's it's a yeah. really cool time reminiscing with those guys. And uh, Yeah, and I appreciate that uh, Lou Lamorello showed up and Scott Gomez showed up. I know the Islanders had their game in Brooklyn earlier that afternoon, mm-hmm. which they lost in overtime, but they made it over. A couple well, of the Gomez guys no longer didn't... works for them. Oh, he yeah. doesn't? Okay, I thought he was still with the Islanders, my yeah, mistake. Yeah, it was actually at the beginning of this year that he uh, chose not to come back. Okay, fair enough. Well, then it was easy for him to come. <laughs> he was oh, well, had knows, honestly. Free time. I mean, most of the guys that didn't make it, uh, Fedosov, I know he's you know running he's Russia's head of sport in Russia. Yeah, head of, head of sport. He's kind of tied up. Mogilny, um, he runs the Vladivostok team of the KHL. I'm sure he had other professional commitments. Terreri, I'm trying to remember. I think he's the goaltending coach for Binghamton. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, well, Binghamton played that night, so he was obviously busy. Jay Pandolfo is an assistant with Boston. Yep. Boston had a game that night. So the only guys that I didn't really know why they weren't there were Rafalski and Ken Sutton. Mm-hmm. And credit to the Devils and to the alumni and to the players themselves for wanting to come back 
I mean, even Steve Rule showed up and got a very, very specific announcement about how he was a key key player in a shutdown role in Game Three of the Eastern Conference Final. <laughs> Which was he didn't play much, but you know, you gotta you gotta highlight your uh, successes where well, you. Anytime can. you beat Philly, you gotta highlight it. This is very true. <laughs> Always beat. To that end, Dan, just to briefly mention what's coming up and what we'll be re- reviewing next Monday or for the week next week's mm. show, the Devils will be hosting Montreal and some Russian player mm. on Tuesday night. Originally, this return was going to be on Saturday, but uh, serendipity happened and he's no longer a king. Right. So Saturday's game against the king pretty much has no heat. There's no interest. It's just it's for lottery bad. placement. It's two bad hockey teams playing each other on a Saturday night. Get your tickets. Oh, in the middle of all this on Thursday, the Devils get to go to Philadelphia and try not to embarrass themselves again. Oh, a third straight time there, huh? I would like the Devils to beat Philadelphia just because I hate the Philadelphia Flyers and I like it when the Devils beat them. (laughs) And and the Devils can play spoiler. True. Because that middle, that wild card race... And third, third place in both the Atlantic and the Metropolitan, they're very much up for grabs. Philly's in the mix. It would be so nice if the Devils could take them down a peg. That Metro bubble is sure... tight enough that the Islanders are even starting to get nervous about their placement, and they had like oh, a yeah. seventeen-game point streak at some point this year. Exactly, and that just speaks to the testament of the quality of the teams in the Metropolitan. That Carolina kept pace. Columbus not only got hot, but they remained hot. And Philadelphia were never really out of it. And so Pittsburgh, without a, Crosby for the longest point of the season, just managed to find ways to win games. And they're still missing. I mean, they're going to be missing Gensel for the rest of the year, most likely. And they're still without Latang, I believe. Uh, no, Latang was playing. Oh, I, okay. I stand um, corrected. I'm not up on my Pittsburgh injuries, but I know they had a ton a of ton. them. A ton. But it's a but it's a credit to their organization that they didn't just find guys to fill in depth roles. They found guys that would fit their style for the depth roles and coach them up appropriately and have everybody on the same page from a tactical point of view. In other words, it's an organization that despite some questionable decisions by GM Jim Rutherford, like giving Jack Johnson that contract and giving Jack Johnson any contract and acquiring Eric Branson. And, and did I mention acquiring Jack Johnson? Mm-hmm. But they have a system that makes it all work and – they were able to not only get some breaks their way, but they rolled on the talent that they did have. And they kept, you know, they put together solid game plans that they executed well. And they fully deserve to be in a safe position for a playoff spot. But going back to the bubble teams, you know, the Devils are in a position where when they're playing a team like Philly or Carolina or Columbus or Toronto or Florida or um, or the Islanders even, you know, there's going to be a lot of outside fans interested in that game, hoping that the Devils can pull right. it off. Me, I'm a little more simple. I'm a little more selfish, Dan. I just hate the Flyers and want the Devils to beat them for Well, someone should tell those outside fans to probably hope for something else this season. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hate it when you're right, Dan. (laughs) Sucks for you because I plan on being right as the season goes on. Anyway, that's it for our time today. We'll look forward to those games against the opponents you just mentioned. And ideally, you know, if I have to take one win this week, it's against Philly. But who even knows anymore? Uh, nothing really matters. We're just uh, catapulting (laughs) towards the trade deadline and uh, we'll see what happens then. But for now, that's been our recap episode. Thanks again for joining us. And as always, you know, we we say it a lot here. It's been a season of negativity, but at the end of the day, we're all devils fans here. So let's go devils and uh, let's reconvene back this weekend.